Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That. Man, I'm stoked that you're here today. Oh, it's just I just feel good, and I think I just feel good when you're hanging out with me. I feel good when we're together. It just it just feels good, doesn't it? Man, that just all oh, all of that just came out weird and awkward, and I should edit it out, but we're not because that's just the way we roll. We roll on one take. So let's just let's get into it today. We got a great show for you today. First of all, honestly, genuinely, uh, really excited that you're here. Glad to have you with us. It means a lot that you're hanging out with us today. We got my friend Matt Seebeck, who is an entrepreneur and has his hand in a couple different things, kind of in the startup world and in the app world. He's built a really really cool online app that creates an offline product. So if you are a sports fan at all, you are going to love what Matt has created here. So let's get into it. Enjoy this interview with my friend Matt Seebeck. All right, what is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How'd You Get Into That? Today, we are joined by my friend Matt Seebeck, who is, first of all, most importantly, he's a diehard St. Louis Cardinals fan, so I dig him for that alone. <laughs> but we're going to get into his story and journey about how he's taken the world of sports and his love of sports, and especially St. Louis sports, combine those with his love of technology, and we got some uh, good stuff for you today. So, Matt, what is up, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, Grant. Thanks for having me, buddy. It is an honor to chit-chat with you. I'm glad we're able to make this work. So for someone that is just coming across you or not familiar with what it is that you do, how would you describe how you've taken your love of St. Louis sports and turned it into a bit of a business? Sure. So, it, you know, it, it's difficult for my wife to explain what I do. It, it's probably even more difficult for myself to explain it. it it's, uh, you know, like you said, it's my love of technology and sports and really how those two kind of things intersect. So, you know, my current responsibilities are, you know, just being a technologist, being an entrepreneur. My company has released two apps over the last year, one of them called Rookies, which allows people on their iPhone to make their own baseball card. <laughs> uh, which is pretty fun uh, and cool. And then the second app that we just released a couple months ago is called Cast. It's a it's a social polling application. So um, you know we partnered with the St. Louis Rams. They they were a company that were interested in engaging their fans on a different level. Uh, so we created this app called Cast that allows anybody and everyone to post a question and then see how responses come in. So. You know, it, it's fun. I played soccer in college. I've always had a love of sports. You know, you mentioned the Cardinals growing up in St. Louis. It's a it's a little hard to avoid sports. You, you don't have a choice. Yeah. If you're anywhere near St. Louis, you pretty much have to be a Cards fan. Exactly. So I grew up a huge sports fan, but I was also really kind of a geek as well and went to college for computer science. So the two things really kind of made sense and really where sports is going now is a really welcoming technology. So there's a lot that we can do. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I think it's always cool how you can take multiple different interests and passions and talents and see how those things align and how they uh, kind of come together. And there's so many people who feel like, you know, well, I'm passionate about, you know, sports, but I'm also passionate about technology. And they're two different things like, no, 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 like, there's plenty of opportunities for those things to, you know, work together and be able to combine those loves of both things. So what was it like, where does this, this, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the love of sports comes from just being in St. Louis and being around yeah. it. But like, where does the love and the interest in technology, where does that come from? I don't know. Like I came from a fairly blue collar Catholic family. My dad was a mechanic. He actually still is today. You know, just a guy with just a really incomparable work ethic. And um, I think he didn't want me to get into that. He wanted me to kind of apply my mind 
and not have to rely on that physical ability. Right. So I just remember growing up, you know, not having a ton of money, but always remember my mom and dad, you know, saving up for the electronics and kind of the cool stuff. So like, I remember on Christmas, we got the first Nintendo, yes. uh, you know, we had an Apple II computer. I remember them saving up for a long time and getting a, like a new gateway computer in those boxes that looked like, uh, like the cow boxes. Yeah. yeah the cow boxes. Right. And back then they so, cost like thousands of dollars. That, yeah. 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 So I, I remember them saving up for things like that to give me all the tools that I could possibly get my fingers on to get into that. So I just grew up really interested in electronics and computers and you know, when I went off to college, computer science was like definitely what I wanted to do. So I went in with an idea of what my major was, and that's what I graduated with, which is pretty rare. So it was really that combination has always been there of sports and technology. So it sounds like pretty early on, you had a pretty good idea of what you wanted to do with life. I did. Yeah. And I mean, IT was one of those things that, you know, my dad just kept telling me that, you know, it's not going away. And I think if we look at it today, I mean, you know, sports and technology kind of seem like an odd pairing, but technology is just everywhere. Like if my loves were sports and cooking, like that might be a little harder to force, but tech is just so ubiquitous that it's easy to combine the two. Right. So even after you're graduating college, are you beginning to see how sports and technology are coming together? Or is it more just like, well, let's just go down the technology path and the sports can just be the pastime hobby thing on the side? Yeah. I mean, so I went to college for soccer, actually. I got a scholarship to play at the University of Evansville, Missouri Valley Conference. So keep it in the Midwest. There you go. So I played soccer in college and actually was really for a while trying to plan on to do that. The MLS was kind of up and running then, but it was getting hot and you could actually make a career playing soccer. And that was something that wasn't there. So this was early 2000s. And I was really planning on doing that and training to do that. And then junior year, I herniated a disc in my back and kind of ended my career. Wow. So it was nice to have that, the discipline of computer science to really kind of fall back on <laughs> in so many ways. So the last year of college, I just spent looking and getting smarter and ended up working for AT&T out of college and doing a lot of stuff on their websites and, and whatnot and really learning the industry. So it was really kind of, a, you know, leave the sports in the rearview mirror and really focus on tech for a while. And it wasn't until really late 2000s that sports really embraced technology from you know, digital media to podcasting to, you know, sports blogs really taking off. So that's where I really saw it and said, wow, this is really something that I can apply both of my loves to. When you're doing the AT&T stuff and you're starting, you know, starting to figure out the career thing and starting to head down some type of technology IT path, is it immediately resonating with you? Like, ah, oh, this is it. This is perfect. Or is it like, yeah, I mean, it's all right. It pays the bills, but I don't know if it's what I want to do or where's kind of your head at at that point? Yeah, it was it was an immediate kind of light bulb in my head, especially in in the sports blog world where, you know, sports blogs were starting to become big in the in the mid two thousands, and it was one of those things where it was, you know, you could either stand up a WordPress site or you had to consume content from ESPN and Bill Simmons and Page Two and and that type yeah. of stuff. Where I was really in in the gray area, where you know I knew how to stand up a website, I knew how to design a website, so you know we were able to start um, JoeSportsFan.com is another digital property that I, I run right now. That um, you know we started it in the mid two thousands and was really able to take off as you know one of the premier sports blogs in the country simply on looks alone, just because we had our own site and it you know it didn't look like one of the early WordPress skins. So for me, it, it was pretty immediate. And sports fans are you know, they're always consuming content. And it's so, you know, being a Cardinal fan yourself, you know how colloquial it is. If you run into a Cardinal fan in, in a, you know, some airport guy where, anywhere, yeah, it doesn't matter. 
So I really, I like that idea of it as well, that all these communities were being formed online and all around in the digital space. Yeah. And there's massive loyalty to sports teams. Like people that are into their teams, they are into their teams, you know, and they even like we even talk, I mean, I know you do the same thing where you talk about like our team, like we played well, or we didn't play well, or we're, we suck right now. It's like, I had nothing to do with it, but you still feel like you're a part of something that's bigger than yourself. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think we're in the interesting age range now, you know, 30, 40 year old guys that are, we live through that transition where growing up as kids, uh, you had to really be pushed content and, you know, you had to pick up a newspaper to read someone's article where we remember that. And now we're living in the area where you can stand up a sports blog. And to me, it's very humbling still to, you know, either be on Twitter or to write online or to publish a podcast. And whether you have a thousand people listening or 10,000 people, it's pretty humbling to know that like those thousand people really care about what you're saying. Right. And it's just so kind of surreal if we think back to how we were when we were kids, that it was just so impossible to do that. Right. Whenever you were starting Joe Sports Fan, was it meant to be just a sports blog? You're just going to give your thoughts on St. Louis sports or were you hoping it would turn into something or what were you kind of thinking it was going to go? I mean, it was started my buddy, Josh Baycott, still a good friend of mine today. And our whole angle was just something for the common fan, which was really how sports blogs took off. It was the common fan had a platform to say whatever they wanted to. We really realized that Sports are great, and especially being in St. Louis, it's kind of a religion, and people take it so seriously, and really sports were created to be entertainment. Uh, so we took a kind of a lighthearted, satirical approach to, to sports and, and how we wrote, and it was fun, and it was actually a notion that people in St. Louis actually didn't like and didn't pick up on. So it was a popular sports blog on the East and West Coast, really up until a couple of years ago, where people in St. Louis and really across the nation started to embrace that level of humor. And, and so now we focus on St. Louis full time. You, you don't joke about sports in St. Louis. It's, no, yeah. it's live, live or die by, by how the cards are doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So whenever you're doing Joe Sports Fan, it's starting to gain a little bit of traction. Are you starting to think like, okay, maybe I could do this full time? Or is it more just kind of like, eh, it works. Fun. It's, you know, it's a fun little side project on the weekends, but uh, it's never going to be anything more than that. I don't even know that I'd want it to be any more than that. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, Joe Sportsman was never profitable enough for us to quit our full-time jobs, as, like most people. Yeah. And, you know, the way the industry worked was that there were a certain number of sports blogs, and whether you were in tech or cooking or whatever, there was a finite number of blogs for the people that could get them up. And then the mainstream kind of took part of that as well, and they kind of picked off a lot of the premier independent sports bloggers to work for, you know, your Yahoo or your... ESPN and those kind of things. So we had a couple opportunities to do things like that, that we never did. We, we did a couple freelances and, you know, did a couple spot assignments for some of the bigger sites and whatnot, but we kept Joe Sportsman independent, hoping that it would be that thing that would take off and we could continue to produce our own content and whatnot. It just, it never was that thing. And I don't think ever was that thing for a lot of sites. It's just, it's hard to do selling advertisements. And when you're doing it on the side, you can't go out 40 hours a week and sell advertisements to restaurants down the street. It's just really hard to do. But what I will say is that, you know, we spent 10 years kind of making some money on the side and it was fun and we were doing it because we liked doing it. But really what we did over the past decade is build up a lot of really, really good contacts at places like Yahoo and ESPN. So, you know, where my interests are now are creating apps and and doing things and creating companies and, and trying to grow them. And I'm using the same connections that we grew at Joe Sports Fan. So if I had to place, you know, a value on 
what we did at Joe Sports Fan, it certainly wasn't heavy on the monetary side, but on the relationship side, just creating things was was invaluable. Yeah, I love that perspective because I think there's so many times where like you could look back now in hindsight of like, you know, Joe Sports Fan is still up. It's still, uh, you know, I assume you guys still make revenue. It's not like life changing or anything, but it's something. It's better than nothing. And so it's up there. It's running. You weren't, you know, you could it may have had opportunity to go to ESPN or Yahoo. You didn't for whatever reason. And so it'd be easy to be like, oh man, you missed the window or you should have done this. But I love hearing people who are just like, it could have gone a lot of different ways. And even though it wasn't like this massive success that maybe we hoped it could be, it's like, I wouldn't change anything about it because from a relational standpoint, more so than the revenue standpoint, like it's, it's opened up so many doors that we wouldn't have if we'd never even tried the project in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, we've got the apps that we're, that we can network around. We had an opportunity to write a reality show that we're still working on right now. Uh, we sell t-shirts on Joe sports fans. So, I mean, there's so many angles and for things like rookies, when we release it and we're able to get some pretty good organic promotion on Mashable covered it, Yahoo covered it. And I speak at a couple colleges here, SLU and WashU, and that's kind of the first thing students ask is, I've got this app and it's getting ready to come out. How do I get it on on Yahoo? And I'd say like, th- there's there's really no equation for that other than putting in time and building those relationships for years so that when I do have something, I can shoot it over to a guy that I know personally as opposed to some contact list. Right. I was going to say like, that's not sexy though. Like I want to be able to just like be able to, I want what's the easy button, you know, what's the thing that gets it up there. But I think it's just important for people to know like so much of what comes down to success is relationships and relationships take time. And it just, for you, it's like starting a blog nearly a decade ago. And now some of those relationships have, you know, have started to provide some type of whatever, you know, but it's like those years and years and years of investing in relationships to what they are today. It just takes time. And most people just aren't willing to put in that much time to build a relationship for something that may or may not pan out. It is. Yeah. And if I think back to like when I was like, you know, right out of college, 23, 25, I didn't understand that at all at the time. And it's easy to fall into that trap, especially in the, in the digital world that everything is so immediate and we have this instant gratification kind of baked into our existence now where we want things to happen immediately and we feel smarter than everybody else. And we just think things should work that way, but it's just, it's not true. And, you know, finding those relationships at Joe Sports Fan, I kind of backed into because I was putting in all this time and decade of work and this thing's not taking off. And oh my God, I can't believe no one wants to buy a sports blog when there are a million other ones out there, you know, right. just being very self-centered and realizing that, oh my God, like there's plenty of value here. It's, it's the relationships and being able to reach out to these people across the country. Did you have opportunities to go work for ESPN or Yahoo full-time? Uh, yeah, yeah. A couple of offers that, yeah, in the late 2000s to do things like that, you know, take kind of that humor, satirical angle of sports. Um, but I mean, just in candidly, they don't pay very well. Yeah. Sports writing and, and just sports in general, whether you work on network broadcasts or the local news, I mean, that's something that everybody wants to do. And because the supply and demand curves don't really work out, right, uh, right. those jobs don't pay very well. And for me, you know, working in technology, I, w- I was doing okay. And I, I got married and when I was 26. And it was just not something that I wanted to give up or take the risk of doing because I was having a good time doing what I was doing anyway. So whenever you're doing Joe Sports Fan, you're doing it for a little while, it's going well, you're building these relationships. At what point are you starting to get more interested in the technology and the app side? I got really, really interested around 2010. And what happened then was 
I was always into tech and computer science and for AT&T, you know, it was working in a cube, writing a bunch of code and working late night and I was having fun doing that, but it I sounds really glamorous. Ha- yeah. <laughs> hey man, for us geeks, that's, that's what I mean. I'm not judging. Huh? <laughs> yeah. But I don't know what it was. I mean, certainly, you know, my family and kind of how I was raised was just, uh, to, to get out there and sports certainly played into that of just as leadership and being with people and stuff. And I really had an interest in getting more on the business side of things where I understand tech and I liked it and knew the power of it, but I wanted to be out talking to people and and selling things. And so I really got into the business and the sales side of tech in 2009. And really what I saw there was a lot of ideas on the business side, but not a lot of guys that understood the tech or the people to make things happen. So I took kind of my ideas and ability to network and to sell and then form teams around me that could actually build and make it happen. So that's really where you know I am today, four years later, is I'm doing very little coding, but I just love leading teams and taking a concept and driving it out to create an app that people can download. What was the idea behind Rookies? Where does that come from? Rookies was on a flight. And actually, I had uh, the oldest iPhone. and The original noticed, one? Yeah, the, the original yeah. iPhone, which was pretty bad in, in retrospect. But, <laughs> <Yep>. you know. <laughs> we've, moved, um, we've upgraded since then. Yeah. I was moving. And like anybody who's moving, their wife usually comes to them with a shoebox full of cards and says, when are we throwing these out? So Mm. (laughs) these were from, I think my mom dropped them off and and she went them out of her basement and it was kind of pruning time to see what we were keeping and what we were moving to our new place. And um, so shoebox of cards. So I had some of those and I was on a plane and I had these cards in my bag and I was looking at this iPhone, noticing that the iPhone screen was exactly the same size as an old baseball card, two and a half by three and a half. Nice. I, I said, it would be really cool just to turn cards into a digital thing that you could show people, you know, in the bleachers of a stands and say, hey, remember this card and whatnot. And at, yeah. at the time, it just wasn't something that was there from, you know, the big card companies like Toss and Upper Deck. So that was really the idea is to create rookies to be a, a digital trading card game. And So we were creating that and whatnot, and it turned into, boy, it'd be nice if I could just create my own card. So that's really where it morphed into. And then this was a couple months before we released the app. This was like two years ago. Apple released the iPhone 4, which dramatically changed the screen size that, you know, it it became taller instead of wider. Yeah. So the screen didn't look like a baseball card anymore. I was really hung up on that. And we thought about just kind of stopping the project because the whole idea was to like show someone a digital card that was the exact same size. And we thought, let's not scrap it. Let's try to do something that's even better. So that's when we had the idea of actually being able to print the card. So we spent almost a year, which was longer than we had spent coding, in perfecting the print process of baseball cards. We looked across the country at a lot of the online retailers like Shutterfly, and we talked to Vistaprint and a bunch of different companies, and they can handle very large quantities on very thin paper. So if you have to print a thousand photos, they can do it. What they can't do is short order, on-demand printing on really thick cardstock, which is what we wanted to do. Yeah. So it was really hard. We found a print partner in St. Louis that was willing to invest and buy some print equipment for us and just developed an amazing relationship. And now we're able to print real baseball cards. And it's funny just because when articles are written and people look at the app, printing is really what they're all about because it's guys like us that are 
buying cards and being able to touch that real baseball card of yourself or of your kid or of your groomsman party is really what people are latching onto. And it's just funny because that wasn't the concept or the idea of the app in the first place. Yeah, I like that. I like that because it's, you know, I grew up with baseball cards. I had the same thing of, I can remember... So I remember like being really hardcore into it and I had, you know, boxes and boxes and cases and cases of them and sealing them up. And, you know, at the time, like at the peak, they were all worth something. Oh, yeah. And then I don't know about you. I ended up finally when we were like, all right, we got to get rid of these. And so taking them to a local shop and getting just pennies on the dollar Nothing. for them, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> and it was so depressing because you felt like my whole childhood was spent, you know, collecting these and trading them and just doing that whole deal and having the, exactly. like the, the sheets of them and just thumbing through them and the gum and the pack and just all of the nostalgia of <laughs> baseball cards, you know? And yeah. now it's just, and now I'm getting pennies on it. It's just like, it's just devastating to me. But I love that you take like just this old school thing that we grew up with in the, you know, the eighties, nineties that, and you brought it to today where it's like your iPhone can not only create this card, but now it can also print this. And it's something like something about having it. I can hold it. I can touch it. I can feel it. And having just, I guess that nostalgic feeling of trading baseball cards and holding baseball cards. Yeah, exactly. And you touch on the value. And what we really liked about it was, you know, we can remember doing exactly what you did, which was going up to the card store and these cards that I spent my childhood collecting are worth nothing. Yep. Or, you know, I have this magazine called Beckett. Yeah, it, yeah. Te- it tells me what the value is, where we like the idea of now that you're in control and you can create the front and the back of a card. That card is invaluable to you because it's got your kid on it or your, as I said, your groomsman party or you, know, you pass out at a wedding. So there's so many different things that you can do that have no value. So we like that angle of it as well. I love that you brought up Beckett. Man, it just brings up so many good memories for me <laughs> yeah. of the childhood. Like I remember I had the, I had a subscription to Beckett and I had the, I think it was the 100th issue. Hank Aaron was on the cover and I left it like in the packaging and everything because I bought oh, yeah. one and then I left it in the pack, another one in the packaging. I was like, this is going to be bank someday. I mean, like, that's, uh, how we, that's how we were going to pay for college. Oh, that's, totally. That's what, they, that's what they had us believing. Oh, we, we all believed it for sure. And yeah. I remember like going to something, they're like, this isn't worth it. I was like, it's still in the packaging. I've yeah. never touched it it's flawless but still like there's very few cards today that are worth something significant you know yeah exactly exactly devastating but nonetheless so you create this app and then you decide to start printing it like how are you getting the word out on this new concept uh so to date it's been out about a year we released it at the end of last season just to kind of taste test and you know because we wanted a couple couple weeks of the baseball season for hardcore baseball fans and i think when we realized we really had something when you know we thought once you know late november early december came around that we'd be able to take a step back enhance the application get ready for spring training and we just haven't been able to breathe because Early December is when people started buying baseball cards to use as Christmas cards to send out to their friends and family. And we thought this was not the concept. You know, the concept was we're going after the hardcore baseball fan in the bleachers. And he's going to create a card to use as like a business card, right? Where we didn't foresee people using them as casual replacements in their daily life, you know, for bar mitzvahs and Christmas cards and Father's Day. We didn't see that. And we didn't see, you know, we have a lot of women buyers, which is something that we didn't anticipate nor know how to market to. So that was really interesting for us. And then we had, you know, the sports blog community pick it up and, and run with it. We got invited to be on ESPN last May. So I got to fly out there and do the show. And so everything to date has been organic. We haven't spent a a dime on marketing. So we're going to 
actually flip that around a, a little bit in January and do some targeted ad placement and go after target markets like weddings and like little leagues. And so it's going to be fun to see because, you know, we've been in production for about a, a year now, a little over a year, and have a really good idea on what our core demographic is. We've learned a lot. So now we can really kind of go after those. What'd you get to do? I want to come back to all that, but would you, I'm out of curiosity, what'd you get to do at ESPN? We did a three-minute segment where they asked us about the app, and we got to talk about it. I brought some samples up there, gave it to some of their anchors. Um, it was really, really wild. Um, On SportsCenter? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And I went in there, did my thing. It was really quick, one take, and the, that's kind of the last shot you get. And then, and, then, um, and then, so I walk out of the studio, and then Hugh Jackman sitting there getting ready to co-host SportsCenter. It's just totally, <laughs> totally surreal yeah. because that's the latest X-Men was getting ready to come out. So I got to sit in Wolverine's chair before he got to. So That's so cool. I was speaking up in Connecticut a couple years ago and took an afternoon to drive over to Bristol and drive around the campus. And you can't, like, the whole place is on lockdown, so you can't oh, yeah. get anywhere near. I mean, fencing, yeah. security. Like, I even, like, stopped outside one of the gates, pulled, you know, get out of my car to take pictures, and immediately like security guard starts walking towards me. I was like, golly, I can't get anywhere near this place. But it's still like as a sports fan, like you understand like the just the cool factor, I guess, of an ESPN or, you know, Bristol and that whole world. So let me ask you this going back to the app. I love the idea, though, that you start with something and you just you ship it, you get it out there. But then it turns into today, which sounds like totally different than what you imagine. But you wouldn't like you wouldn't have known that if you hadn't had just kind of, I guess, the openness or the open-mindedness to kind of go with where the market was taking you or where buyers were taking you rather than just like, if you just dug your heels in the ground, like, no, 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 it has to be baseball cards. It has to be this and it has to be this. And then it may not be the thing that it was today. Exactly. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the concept of what's called lean startup, which is get your minimal viable product out as soon as you can, because users will tell you exactly everything that you need to know. If it's successful, if it fails, you know, you can do target marketing and research and whatnot. But the sooner you can get an actual product in a user's hand, the smarter you're going to be. And then you keep improving that. So we were big believers in that. And, you know, we've changed the product to map to those demands and interests. So it's been really fun. And, you know, by doing that, you just you lower risk by the last thing you want to do is to spend, you know, two years in a basement developing something that no one's going to want. Right. So get it out there, see how people react and then kind of react accordingly. Right, right. For someone that may be building an app, whether it be in the the sports world or any world, you talked about the relationship piece earlier. Is there anything else that people can do just to, in such a competitive world like apps, to begin to build a name for yourself and begin to gain traction and downloads? Yeah, I'd say blog is super important, even if no one's reading it. To have something there on release day where there's this kind of story behind the app is not only good for content and for potential users of the app, but it's also good for things like SEO, where if you release an app, like we released the app called Rookie. It's not a proprietary name by any means. You know, it's a fairly generic term. But by having that website in place, it really um, solidified, you know, things like PageRank and whatnot. So that was important. Networking is also key. So, you know, networking with people in the space. So if you're in sports and technology, you know, networking with, you know, Yahoo sports blogs or ESPN or some of the independent ones or listening to the podcasts that are in that genre or reaching out to them, see if you can be on as a guest. Um, Those are easy, free, organic things to do to kind of 
market yourself and your app. And a lot of it, I mean, it sounds like out of the gate is just pure hustle. I mean, you know, to steal the baseball phrase, if you build it, they'll come doesn't really apply (laughs) to apps or blogging or a podcast. Like you've got to go out and hustle and get eyeballs and get traffic. Some of that just comes through just like pure, I guess, just sweat equity going out there. It is. Yeah. I mean, you think about how many apps are in the app store, like it's millions, right? Right. How many you know, it's kind of depressing to think about how many awesome apps, whether it's, you know, well-designed or well-architected or both, that no one knows about just because people really don't know how to market or network themselves. So that was kind of the thing. I mean, getting it out is the first step. And, and that's hard to do, you know, in overseeing a project for a couple of years and then getting it out where you can say, okay, users can download this thing. Now, what do I have to do? Well, I, I have to make people aware of it or else it's just going to sit there because Apple rarely promotes things uh, for you. Right. Right. For someone that may be listening to this, I know there's a lot of people that are just interested in sports in general and may have a bunch of other types of interests. How do you, like, what advice would you give to someone who's like, I love sports. I have no idea how to turn it into a a business, a career of any form. What would you say to them where they're trying to just figure out how do I take my love of this one thing and intersect it with something different? Yeah, I say that's something I'm really passionate about right now because I mentioned I, I speak at some local colleges and, and SLU and St. Louis University in particular, I speak at their business school. And these are a, a bunch of guys that have a ton of ideas, but they don't know how to write code or they don't know how to design. So those ideas just kind of fall flat on their face because they don't think that they can execute on them. Where, you know, the, kind of the, the paradigm, the team that we have fallen into is a business person, a tech person, and a design person. That's kind of the, the minimal team that you need to create an app. So that's kind of the three-headed monster that I always try to put in place. So then people say, well, okay, so how do I meet a tech guy? Well, in cities like St. Louis and Nashville, really wherever, I'd recommend going out and finding some of the tech groups that are there. They're always interested in hearing from business people or speaking on behalf or just kind of trading ideas. It's a good way to meet people that are looking for projects to take on. In St. Louis, it's a little easier to do just because tech is kind of a burgeoning thing here. But I just hate to see some of those ideas just fall flat just because you don't know someone that can write code. So there are ways to make it happen in putting that team together. Very cool. Hey, if people want to check out more of you and, and what you're doing with the blog and with the apps, where can we go? So Rookies is on uh, rookiesapp.com. You mentioned joesportsfan.com and then my personal website where it's kind of the umbrella for all of my related projects is mattseback.com. Awesome. Very good. Well, people stop by, check that out, especially if you are a, a St. Louis sports fan at all. Make sure you check out uh, Matt's stuff. That's how I first came across him as the diehard Cards fan. So good stuff, Matt. Really enjoyed the opportunity to chat and we'll catch up with you later. Thanks a lot, Grant. Really love what you're doing. Thanks, man. All right. There you go. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Matt Seebeck. Great dude. He's a Cardinals fan, so I dig that already. But got a cool story there. Just some different tech stuff that he's got his hand in. And again, not just the tech stuff, but he, you know, like we talked about, he's had his hand in a bunch of different things, doing a, you know, an online blog and doing some uh, sports journalism and just some different odds and ends there, just kind of pursuing different types of interests. And I think that's really important for people to hear because a lot of times we think, well, I'm supposed to just find the one thing. What is the one thing I'm supposed to do for the rest of my life? And most of us aren't wired to do one thing for the rest of our life. You may do one thing for a season and then after that kind of runs its course, you're like, all right, let's let's try this app thing over here about baseball cards. Let's try that. And, and he may do that for a little while and he may be like, eh, I don't want to do this anymore. That's okay. Whatever it is for you, what is that thing where you're like right now at this stage, at this season of my life and the career that I'm in, 
I'll do this for a little while, but when it runs its course, then you move on and that's okay. So whether you're just getting into something and you're trying to figure out where it's going, or maybe you're kind of wrapping up something, you're kind of at the tail end of it, trying to figure out how you transition out, that that is all right. Be able to be comfortable with those transitions be able to be comfortable with some of those changes there. Hey, it really does mean a lot that you tune in, listen to the show. Make sure that you tell other people about the show. Would you do me a favor? Do me a favor, all right? Meaningful, genuine here. If you dig the show, if it's helped you in any way, would you just tell one friend or family member about it? Like, just tell one, like that person, maybe that you know from work or maybe that you run into from time to time, maybe you know they just hate their job and they're dying for something different. Would you just be like, hey, hey, psst, come over here. Would you just listen to this podcast for me? Because if you just listen to this, your life will improve and therefore the rest of our lives will improve because you're cranky right now. That's what you need to do. Okay? And I don't know, say it like that if you want to or email them a link. But if you dig the podcast, we really appreciate it if you would share it with people to help people on their journey to find and do work that they love as well. So hey, as always, feel free to email me, grant grantbaldwin.com. Make sure you subscribe to the show if you haven't already. You can do that with an iTunes or wherever you may be listening to this podcast right now. If you haven't already, be sure to leave us a rating or a review uh, or both preferably within iTunes. Just honest. We just want some honest feedback. We want to know how you're doing and how the show has helped you and uh, helps other people to find the show as well. So uh, thanks for doing that. Really appreciate it. It means a lot. All right. That wraps up this episode, boys and girls. And we'll be coming at you next week. We got some great interviews lined up, already a bunch recorded and many, many more for 2015 that I'm excited to bring to you. So it's going to be a good year, boys and girls. Let's get into it. Talk to you later. You're awesome. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.